Hello, my name is Ashley Balin, and welcome to Baby Puppy, the parenting podcast for anyone raising a human or fur baby. Now, before I start getting angry emails from people in the dog community or parenting community about how different raising a dog is from a child, trust me, I know, I know, I'm not saying they're the same at all. But as a professional dog trainer and behavior consultant and a mother, there are a startling number of similarities. I have applied strategies from my dog training education and experience to parenting with great success and vice versa. From the early days with an infant or puppy, dealing with teething, crate or crib training, socialization and language acquisition, to nutrition, anxiety, coping mechanisms, independence, confidence building and more, it's impossible to deny a crossover. On each episode of this podcast, we'll explore a different topic and speak with a parenting expert to gain insight, strategies, and advice while comparing them to my experience working with dogs. Join me on this journey to raise confident, empathetic, respectful, happy, and healthy dogs and humans. On this episode, I spoke to self-proclaimed culture hustler and one half of Faye and Fluffy Storytime, Caleb Robertson, aka Fluffy Souffle. He's an icon in the Toronto queer community and a staunch advocate for LGBTQ children and families. In addition to hosting an incredible story and circle time at my house when my son was younger, he's a DJ, the host of Music Bingo, an event producer, speaker, and so much more. He joined me to discuss the importance of diversity and inclusivity in children's books and media. Enjoy. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm excellent. Great. So I wanted to just start off by thanking you for doing this with me today. I really, I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to chatting with you. Me too. So let's just start off by introducing yourself, just what your name is and what you do professionally. I know that's not a really straightforward question (laughs) because you have many fingers and many pies, but what's the Caleb elevator pitch? My name is Caleb Robertson. Uh, also known as my alter ego drag persona, Fluffy Souffle, and my job title is Cultural Hustler. And I like that. It used to be Cultural Producer, which is my more businessy one, but because uh, that's what I do, I feel like I help produce culture in Toronto in various ways, And but I'm also a hustler uh, at the end of the day, so that includes DJing, uh, producing cabaret events. Uh, I'm a children's entertainer as part of the drag storytime duo, Faye and Fluffy Storytime. And I do a music bingo event every Wednesday. Uh, And I do childcare. One of my favorite things to do in the city. (laughs) It's excellent. (laughs) It is. It's so much fun. So I want to I want to start by talking about Faye and Fluffy story time. Yeah. So let's just start with the basics. For those that are listening that are unfamiliar with Dry Queen Story Time, can you just share how the idea came to be and what it is exactly? Absolutely. The story time came to be completely not through us. We certainly didn't invent it. Um, somebody in San Francisco uh, named Michelle T, who's an author and an LGBT advocate and a parent um, put her love of both together. She used to have a touring show called Sister Spit, which was a super feminist, queer, trans-friendly, amazing show. And so she started doing them. And there was a video probably on Vice or 
I think one was on the New York Times. There was one from San Francisco and one from Brooklyn talking about doing drag queen story time. And so Faye Slift, who is my uh, drag partner, my sister, um, had seen that and said, uh, you know, I wanted to do that. And she is a kindergarten teacher by day and I do childcare. And we've both tried to incorporate kids into things. So I've DJed for kids parties and I've DJed as Fluffy Souffle for kids parties. And Faye had had a group of her students perform with her at Pride once. So we wanted to incorporate kind of both of our loves of performing and, you know, doing drag and our love of working with kids. So it came very easily to us. And that was uh, almost four years ago that we started doing that. And so we did a one-off and then continued a relationship with the 519 Community Center and now get asked to do lots of different things. And uh, I just wanted to ask, I know that you do childcare during the day, but you don't, you don't have any kids of your own at this point. At this point, I do not. Do you, do you want kids? It's a little complicated. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've always wavered of wondering if I needed to have my own kids and even by that, I don't mean biological. I mean, you know, whether it be adoption or, you know, stepkids or however. Um, kids that or, live in your home with yeah, you. Exactly. Kids that are tied to me. That you are responsible for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or whether it was enough for me to just be important in kids' lives. And this is probably a question I've asked myself for the last 20 years. Um, and I am not sure that I still know the answer. Right. And there's no rush to find the answer. Um, well, there's a little bit of a rush and that I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And, <laughs> you know, depending on ways you do it, the, the problem with queer families is that it's uh, a lot harder to just have a baby. And Definitely. so there's a lot of planning and sometimes money and all this to go into creating a family. So it's hard. Yeah, no, it is. It's really challenging. Um, and just because it's pertinent to this podcast, do you have any dogs? I do not. I have one cat. You have a cat. Okay. I, I, I do love cats, but I know absolutely nothing about cats <laughs> other than the fact that they're very independent and opportunists. They're the best. They're yeah. really the best. Yeah. I grew up with cats. I just don't have one right now. <laughs> So back to story time for a second. So, uh, you know, you started four years ago. The events now are wildly popular, often sold out. What do you think it is about drag queen story time that draws in children and parents? I think for a lot of people, it is exciting because it's a part of their community. So if they're LGBTQ families, then, you know, drag and kind of gender nonconforming people and... Uh, that kind of thing is a part of their community. And sometimes when you have kids, you kind of get stuck into uh, a different world of maybe being home more, uh, maybe kind of going into parenting groups or things that are a lot more straight. And so the idea that there's something that they can do with their families, that their families are not only recognized, um, but celebrated and uh, different ways that everybody is just accepted and you know there's no assumptions made about about their families about anybody's gender or pronouns or titles 
Um, and so we really strive to to create these inclusive spaces. And do you yeah. do you find that your audience is mostly comprised of parents and families within the LGBT community, or are there people that come just to attend the events for other reasons? Uh, I can't say for sure if our um, audiences. LGBTQ, because uh, obviously in a lot of cases you don't know, and heteronormative looking couples might be comprised of uh, trans or queer partnerships. So uh, there are definitely people, though, that do come from uh, hetero cis relationships and they bring their families. And I think a lot of people nowadays really do want to expose their kids to diversity and acceptance. And they have no idea who their kids are going to end up being. So they very well might have a trans or gender nonconforming or queer kid. So, you know, nobody really knows. And so we love that we do these story times and everybody that's not a part of the LGBTQ community is uh, one of our allies. And that by, you know, allowing these kids to see diversity and inclusion in active ways, then we're creating our army of allies for the future. So, like, how do you, like, why do you think it's so important to, to read books that are inclusive and feature diverse characters and storylines to audiences that are so young? Like, you often have babies that are, that are in your audience. So, do you think that they're benefiting from that experience at, at such an early age? I absolutely think so. I think having visual representations of diversity is really important because, you know, if you're in an all-white home... Uh, you need to see books and stories and everything about other cultures. And, you know, everyone's going to come across different people in, in the world and on the bus or in school. And uh, you want them to be accepting and, you know, not have a problem with anybody. So, yeah, I think it's definitely important for diversity and in books and ideas like that. And, you know, we, we live in Toronto and, it's, you know, Toronto's a extremely multicultural city and the opportunities to form relationships and make connections in various communities are endless. And so what are your recommendations for families with young children that live in smaller cities or towns that have far less diversity? Like, how do we teach equity and inclusion and empathy without access to those daily experiences? I think literature is a great way to go about that because there's so much um, you can get from stories because it's not just the words uh, it's not just the images it's you know looking at details of pictures and when we read books to kids we love to point out different things in the in the pictures or ask the kids like how they think the characters are feeling and kind of go through bigger discussions with kids and that can happen so much better in you know smaller one-on-one -on -one or in smaller units where you know you're not talking to a huge audience but you really get to get intimate and share knowledge and kind of discover things together. So whether it's a book about very explicitly something, one of our favorite books is called All Are Welcome. And it kind of goes through a bit of a school setting. And, but we always use it to talk about, you know, whether it's specifically like if we were at the AGO, we're like, we want everyone to know that everyone's welcome at the AGO or if it's in a school or if it's in a library or it's in a small town, um, you know, we're like, everyone's welcome here in Huntsville. And, you know, so it's these little messages that the that can be talked about and shared. And um, yeah. 
No, it's, it, I just find it so interesting because, you know, I have this conversation with my dog training clients almost yeah. on a daily basis. And, you know, now that I'm a mother, other parents of babies and toddlers too. And there's this longstanding belief that if you can, if you don't consider yourself racist or xenophobic or classist or homophobic or transphobic or any of the phobics, yeah. that naturally all members of your house are going to reflect that perspective. And the reality is that talking, like especially with dogs who don't mm -hmm. understand what you're saying at all, is like talking isn't what builds character and empathy and inclusivity. It's early socialization and exposure and community integration and relationships with people with different life experiences and worldviews. And I get phone calls from prospective clients frequently saying things like, my dog is racist or my dog <laughs> hates children or my dog hates the elderly or any other my dog hates sentence that ends with a specific subset of the population and you know obviously dogs don't intrinsically hate anything but wow. similarly to people they become fearful of anything that they're unfamiliar with or they haven't had any exposure to so you know what those comments actually say to me is that their dog didn't have regular exposure or positive interactions with that specific type of person during the formative month of months of their puppyhood and adolescence so you know I guess I'm going on this rant to <laughs> ask you know if if a child starts to make comments about specific types of people or is showing discomfort or fear, what do you think is the best way to address their thoughts or concerns? Well, entirely, as you said, if um, they're not exposed to something, then they have no idea. But also, the, they are inevitably going to meet people who don't come from backgrounds where uh, it's an accepting home or, you know, kids will learn... Uh, everything from their environments and from their parents and the people around them. And they do come from a world of not knowing hate. And so they're eventually probably going to come into somebody at school or whatever that uh, maybe does come from a world where they hear their parents say something homophobic or they do hear their parents saying something racist. And, you know, they don't really know the repercussions of that in the world. So they might then repeat that. And, you know, a kid who has had lots of books with diverse characters who would be able to identify as, like, be excited about a character who, you know, is a different gender or a different skin tone or, you know, is different from them, then allows them to have empathy and, you know, recognize different uh, characters as relatable to them. So when they see them out in the real world, it, they're still just relatable as people. So and so, how do you choose which books you read at the events? We like to do a mix. If we have an hour-long booking, we will get through probably about five stories. And we do a mix of things that might be relating to uh, the specific event. Maybe we're in High Park, so we choose things that have a nature theme. Or if we're at the uh, JCC, we'll do things relating to whether it's Purim or uh, Hanukkah, whatever event we're doing there. Um, Otherwise, we like to pick one that is diverse in some way, um, and we have a huge list of those. So they're usually one or two of those, and but they're we don't usually pick them because like oh this one has two moms. We need to have this one in balance with this one. Um, we've got so many great books that every book we read uh, has been tested in Faye's kindergarten class, and we love them and we think they're great. So you know, there's something. Or it might just be an empowered girl, or it might be, you know, 
featuring um, a, a certain culture. And then we always like to pick a couple that are straight up silly. So our biggest ones that we go to are Elephant and Piggy, which we love and we relate to and we even dressed as for Halloween. <laughs> and um, and yeah, so we, we mix it up a lot. Uh, but there's definitely a few that we have that are our major favorites. And all the books by Todd Parr um, are so I love great. the Todd Parr books. They're short, they're to the point, um, and they're just, yeah, they're beautiful little books. Do you have a personal favorite? Of Todd Parr's or in general? Just, or in general. One of our favorites is definitely a book called Not Quite Narwhal by Jesse Sima. And it the illustrations are adorable, uh, but it's about a unicorn who is born under the sea with the narwhals and then goes and kind of gets swept away and finds unicorns. And he thinks they're land narwhals. And they teach him that he's a unicorn and he's having a great time there. And then he goes, he misses his friends and his family, the narwhals. So he goes back to them and he comes out to them. And, you know, this book also talks about things like, uh, you know, he has a, he ha feels anxious. So we, it gives us a moment at story time to say, you know, oh, what does anxiety mean? And, oh, that's when I have, you know, sometimes a little feeling in my tummy like butterflies or sometimes it's just, I'm scared or, you know, I'm in a new place or I'm meeting new people. And we get to talk to the kids about anxiety and how we deal with it and way that we can regulate our emotions a little bit. And then he goes to the narwhals and he comes out and he says, takes a deep breath and he says, you know, I'm, I'm not a narwhal. And they're like, yeah. And he goes, I'm a unicorn. And they're like, well, we all knew that. And so the adults in the room all have this, oh my God, he just came out and literally <laughs> accepted and it's so sweet. And the kids are just like, yeah, like, great, whatever. It's just a <laughs> really right. cute book. Um, so yeah, so I love it for the different levels that it has. Yeah, I'll definitely include the the link to that in the in the podcast notes yeah. when I when I launch it. And if you actually have a list of books that you would recommend, I'd love to include that as well. Totally. And even that author, the next book that she wrote was called Harriet Gets Carried Away. And it's another it's an adorable book about a little girl named Harriet who goes on this adventure. And the whole book is about that adventure, but bookending it are moments with her fathers. So it's a kid that has this amazing adventure story and it's hilarious, but she happens to have two dads and that's what I love about it. It's not part of the story. It's not a lesson. It just, it just is what it is. A family is a family is a family. Yeah, no, it's, it's really rare to find children's books where you happen to have two moms or two dads as opposed to it being the focus of the story. Yeah. So, you know, I always like to try and take note of, of the books that include that so that I can get them for my own household. Mm. And we also think about things like single parents. So, you know, we'll, we'll find books where it's not about being a single parent, but just for whatever reason, there's only one parent in the story. And like Llama Llama. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's been really impactful too. <laughs> it is, it's never addressed in Llama Llama that Llama Mama is the only parent in the household. Right. It's amazing. That's yeah, pretty good. It is. So there's something I really like to, to do with the guests on this podcast. I, uh -huh. I, I'd love to read you an email that I received from a client, from a dog training client, okay. about a concern that they have with their dog. And I'd love for you to answer the question as if you were a parent that was, as if it was a parent asking you for advice about their child. All right. 
Okay. Okay. So here's the email. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Ashley. I'm a little embarrassed that I've waited this long to address an issue I'm having with Igor. We go to the dog park almost every day and he absolutely loves it. He always finds friends to run around and play with and get, gets along with the majority of dogs that come in. I've noticed a pattern, though, that seems to be getting worse. Every time a yellow lab comes to the park, he gets very tense and growly and would definitely attack if I didn't remove him from the situation. When he was a puppy, a yellow lab attacked him at the park, and now he's bigger and more confident. It's like he's retaliating by beating up every other yellow lab that comes in. What do I do? So let's replace the dog in this scenario with a toddler, maybe like a a three or four-year-old. I envisioned it all through your letter. Yeah. So they go to the park with their parents every day. They're generally outgoing and playful and sociable. But every time, let's say a kid wearing glasses enters the park, they get angry and become physical with the child, pushing and hitting and yelling, etc. So let's assume that the toddler had a traumatic event at some point where they were pushed off a piece of playground equipment by a kid wearing glasses. And now the kid associates that event with all kids that wear glasses. So what advice would you give to the parents in that scenario? Hmm. I would, I guess they would have to figure that out. They would have to realize that that's what it was. Um, So I guess by trying to talk to them, I guess by watching the interaction to see how and when he's triggered, um, I feel like I would, if I figured out it was glasses, then everybody at home, we would start leaving glasses around and then uh, talking to him about them Maybe go to a sunglasses store and see how he feels about him trying on glasses, uh, see his parents in glasses. Um, maybe if we have a good enough relationship with the other parent, we can ask for an experiment. And if the kid is able to, you know, get around a little bit without glasses, ask him if he could take off the glasses and see how the other kid responds to the same child, but without the glasses on. And then maybe they can play together. If they play together, they build a relationship and, you know, the glasses then won't be an issue. And would your answer be the same if, or, you know, or different if the child was reacting in the exact same way to all kids of a specific race or gender identity or body size, as opposed to something superficial like glasses? Yeah, it's hard. I would um, also want them to, you know, be respectful of that obviously would be huge so I would um get more books around and be like you know if if there was a certain race that this kid was being weird with then I would say find every book that you can every picture book with you know people of that race and make sure that they're exposed to it and talk about it and have lots of discussions about it yeah, I mean the the response from a dog training perspective is is quite similar. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, dogs look at things in a, a far more black and white way. There isn't as much nuance involved as yeah. there is when you have kids. But you know, from a, from a dog training approach, if after I you know met the dog and did a comprehensive assessment, yeah. and I discovered that this dog didn't have any other underlying anxiety or insecurity or aggression or impulse control issues, and they were generally friendly and calm and happy-go-lucky in all scenarios, and this was only happening when they encountered you know one specific breed of dog, yeah. Then I would set up some like desensitization and counter conditioning protocols, like specifically with yellow labs that are dog friendly. So 
you know, without going into all of the steps and scientific explanation of how the process works, like counter conditioning essentially means that you're changing the dog's emotional response or feelings towards a specific stimulus. So, you know, while Igor here might currently lunge and growl at a yellow lab, we'd use, you know, high value motivators and focus exercises to build a positive association and then replace that reaction with an appropriate behavior, such as like ignoring the dog or, you know, sitting or gently approaching. So although it's different, and I would use that same approach, whether it was a specific breed of dog or a specific type of person, like if yeah. they were reacting at, you know, every white person that walked yeah. by or, or, you know, whatever it was, it is, you know, very similar to what you're describing in terms of the kid with glasses. It just, yeah, it just in a, the sense as that. As a parent, that was my answer. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a very similar response though, right? Because you're saying that you would try and, you know, introduce them to as many different kids that had glasses in a friendly setting where you had more control Yeah, where, you know, you would try to start wearing glasses around the house or take them to places that were fun and they'd have a positive experience like a sunglass store. So it's, it's really just about, you know, trying to eliminate the existing negative association to create a positive one. Yeah. So, So uh, yeah, and I mean, outside outside the Faye, the Faye and Fluffy story time, I know, as you said, that you do, you know, DJ and you host various events and shows. And I, is there anything else that you do in the kids' space that parents listening to the show might be able to enjoy or participate in? I am a wedding officiant, so you can have a marriage and include your children in the ceremony. <laughs> That's oh. one thing. <laughs> okay. Um, story time has really taken up a huge amount of our focus. Um, but I do, um, more talks in, um, high schools and things than Faye is able to do because Faye is a kindergarten teacher and so a full-time teacher. So I've really enjoyed the times when I've gotten to go speak to high schools and, uh, classes and groups of older kids and kind of talking about drag and talking about, creating inclusive spaces and finding your people and it being okay if you don't know exactly who you are and you might figure it out and then that might change again and that's okay too and you know how everybody's valid and yeah I've had some really great experiences doing that. So what is what is the response when you have those types of talks in schools? They've been amazing. I feel so lucky. I just went to one school this week for the third time And it was the first time that I went, it was to that school. And I left feeling so joyful and amazed and impressed. And I was nervous going in. And, you know, now teens have a lot of internet access to drag performers. Um, So I was worried that they would have these super high expectations and then be like, what is this clown doing here? Um, But they were so open and accepting and uh, Fluffy is non-binary and uses they, them pronouns. And uh, as we chatted, um, a couple of the kids came out um, in various ways and that really warmed me. And the way that they then reached out and comforted, you know, some of the kids that were feeling upset by uh, asking some of the hard questions. Um, it was amazing. I was so, uh, yeah, emotional after that. It was, yeah. 
It was great. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Yeah, so I'm lucky to have had those experiences. And, and I'm, I'm assuming this is high school. Yeah, they've been high school. We have done uh, elementary school stuff, but they've probably gone up to about grade six or so. Um, and we've just kind of chosen some older, like still picture books, but, you know, things like uh, about Stonewall or, or things like that. Okay. Well, that's, that's it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. Where can people find you? My Instagram is Caleb with a K underscore fluffy. And I also run our Faye and Fluffy account, which is a great way to try and keep up with what we're doing. I also have our website, which is fayandfluffy.com. And Music Bingo is every Wednesday at the Gladstone Hotel from 7.30 to 10.30. And it's a super fun way to get out of the house, do something really fun. It's free to play. Uh, you don't have to be the most knowledgeable person about music. Um, it's a good time. And yeah. And not child friendly. It, I, you, well, it gets a little bit late. It is, um, you don't have to be 19 though uh, to be in the, because okay. it is a restaurant. Um, okay, and, that's good to know. I, th I thought that it was a 19 plus event. Yeah, yeah, no, not officially. Um, and then I also run a monthly cabaret, uh, FSU Cabaret, which I may say is fuck shit up. And you can say whatever you want. Yay! It's for all fans <laughs> and non binary performers. And we've been doing that for over a year now to show other promoters and producers in the city that uh, there is uh, so many trans and non binary performers that they can choose from for their shows and make sure that we get more trans and non-binary performers into every show and onto every stage and everywhere else. And where is that event hosted? That is also at the Gladstone Hotel. And that's a monthly and it's on uh, Facebook or uh, we also have an Instagram of FSU Toronto. And I also do private um, events, private music bingo, karaoke, trivia, uh, baby circle time is my new thing I want to keep doing more of. And I also have a t-shirt for sale uh, that I had made. Um, I had an eight-year-old trans kid friend of mine write out the words protect trans kids. And I got it as a tattoo on my chest. And I made t-shirts that we sold. And those proceeds went to Soy, supporting our youth. And we're doing a new run of them that we're going to donate to Black Lives Matter Freedom School. And so those are protect trans kids shirts. You can find them through my Instagram or on secretagent.ca. And you'll send me links to all of these things. Sure. Okay. I'd love that. Great. Okay. Well, thank you. Thanks You're amazing. Much. I really appreciate it. That was really fun. Thanks for listening. Are you looking to add a dog to your family? For a limited time only, listeners of Baby Puppy will receive 10% off our unique mutt-making package. Let us help you find the right breed, energy level, and temperament for your household based on your experience, expectations, routine, and personality. We always say there's no such thing as the perfect dog, but there is definitely a perfect dog for you. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, child or dog related, email info at meetyourmutt.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at meetyourmutt or visit the website at www.meetyourmutt.com. Remember, this podcast is just a baby or puppy. And as they say, it takes a village. So please rate and review. Happy parenting.
Baby Puppy is hosted, recorded, and produced by me, Ashley Balin. Production assistance by Koji Nagata and theme song by Pink Distortion Music.